bears. No bears, good. <laughs> Although bear meat is good, I've heard. <laughs> Amen. God bless all of you. Let's all stand. Amen. Uh, some people uh, think they might have been exposed uh, to COVID. Uh, Sister Bella's not here tonight. She thinks she may have been exposed. She's waiting on a test, so she's not here tonight. Let's pray for her, uh, pray for her daughter. And uh, Miriam had a prayer request. I hope that uh, she wants me to do this. I asked her, and she hasn't responded yet. So, uh, she so has some coworkers that tested. Uh, her coworkers, uh, a driver tested positive for COVID, and the manager she's working with yesterday is waiting for test results. Uh, she hasn't said if she's been exposed or not, but in any case, uh, it's not gone yet. So let's uh, let's pray for protection, not only for them but for all of us. Let's pray that uh, let's pray that our faith remains where it needs to be. Amen. Uh, it's it's a it's a serious situation. Uh, we're certainly not making light of it, but uh, our God is able to protect. Our our God is able to heal. Amen. Praise God. So uh, I would encourage all of us as as we move forward in this to just keep things in perspective. Uh, do your research. Do what you feel like you need to do. Uh, this is the United States. You have the freedom to choose. You have the freedom to use your brain. Amen. Praise God. So let's pray for that. Let's pray for the remainder of our service. God has a plan for each and every person here. He has a plan for the service. This is his service. We are his people. Praise God. He is the Lord and he is God and we want his will to be done this evening. Lord Jesus, I am so thankful for you, for your so great salvation. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for your manifest presence already here. Hallelujah, Jesus. You have an awesome, awesome uh, situation in store for us. The things that we are about to receive, we thank you for. We worship and we praise you for. Hallelujah, Jesus. We are so thankful for you, the Lord our God, our Savior, our Redeemer, our Lord and God. Hallelujah, Jesus. You created us. You purchased us back from the enemy. You saved us when we were a long ways off. Thank you, Jesus, for this service, Lord, that your perfect will would be accomplished in our midst, that all of our heart... All of your mind would be manifest here this evening. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. You are the King of kings and you are the Lord of lords. There is none else. You have all power. You have all authority. Hallelujah, Jesus. We bow ourselves to you this evening. We submit ourselves unto you. We give ourselves wholly unto the Lord our God tonight. Hallelujah, Jesus. Help us, oh God, to receive of you tonight all that you have. All that you're willing to give, we need so desperately the Lord Jesus Christ. We need so desperately to hear your voice, to feel your touch, to spend time in your presence. Hallelujah, Jesus. 
We do laud and magnify you. We heap glory and honor unto you. We worship and we praise you. Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. I am so thankful for you. I am so thankful for my, my salvation. We rejoice tonight in the God of our salvation. Thank you, Jesus, for your mercy and for your grace. Thank you, Jesus, for your long-suffering patience to usward. Oh, hallelujah. You are magnificent. You are wondrous. You are glorious. You are so very beautiful. Hallelujah, Jesus. We love you. We worship you. We praise you tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. What an awesome God we serve. What a glorious God we serve. It is okay for us to spend time exalting Him. It is perfectly fine for us to spend time magnifying His name. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. He has been so good to us. He is the only one that is good. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Thank you for tearing in his presence. Brother Demuth, if you'd come, you can be seated. Praise the Lord. Just a kind of a quick announcement. And, you know, I like that scripture. I love that scripture that says that we don't have to be weary and well-doing. But for in due season, we'll reap if we faint not. Now, now I know you, we just read over that sometimes, but have you ever felt like you're just doing something over and over again and you're not getting any results and you know God told you to do it and you keep doing it and you keep thinking, are you, are you sure God about this? Right? But God knows what he's doing. Amen. And so we're going to be weary and well-doing with our men. And starting on the 14th of this month, which, which will be the second Saturday of the month, we're going to start meeting again every second Saturday of the month. Now, initially, it's going to be here in this building at 8 o'clock on Saturday the 14th. But as time progresses, we may meet here, we may meet here and then leave and go out and do a prayer walk. We may meet here and then go, or we may go eat breakfast somewhere. We may go uh, do something else. As I'm just going to kind of let the Lord lead me in that. Uh, we may have one of the men stand up and teach us something. Amen? Because each one of us, you know, we're ministers. We have a walk with God, don't we? Don't we, men? Amen. Amen. And so God didn't just save us to to just sit around and let somebody else tell us how, how things are. I want to hear from some of the men in our, in our church. Amen. God's put some things in you. Amen. And so we're, I'm excited about this. I was just standing up there in the booth last Sunday and I just felt God say, okay, I've been waiting for him to tell me. Just kick this off starting the 14th of this month. So unless you hear different and my wife will have a slide made for this Sunday. Uh, unless you hear different, we're going to be doing this second Saturday of every month. Amen? Amen. 14th will be the first one. Uh, 8 o'clock in the morning. I think I already said that. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thanks. Praise God. <clears throat> Thank you, ladies, for, for showing up for prayer yesterday. 
Amen. Men? We have the authority, right? We like to preach that. We like to teach it. We also have the responsibility that goes with that. Our meds director just said uh, August 14th we're going to meet here at 8 a.m. for prayer. I hope, I pray, I trust that we're going to have a good showing. That our men are going to be an example of commitment. And I'm, I'm not just saying this to uh, necessarily to promote a, an event. But it's an excellent segue since uh, it's a men's event. The men need to be leading. The men need to be out front, leading the charge. That's our place. Whether you want it or not, that's your place. That's assigned by God. And when we stand before God, we're going to give an account for the responsibility he's given us as men. Amen. So, as a church body, the men ought to be leading in worship. They ought to be leading in prayer. They ought to be leading in, in personal evangelism, Bible study, knowing the Word of God, prayer, all of that. We ought to be leading. Praise God. And so, as men, let's take this seriously. Let's be an example to this congregation. Let's be an example to our families, our children those around us, of what it means to be a Christian man. Praise God. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. No one believes that. <laughs> Amen. Okay, well, let's keep going then. <laughs> We're going to continue our study on spiritual warfare. Uh, tonight we're going to be talking, or at least introducing, the armor of God. Uh, in pre preparing this lesson, I wanted to get this all into one lesson, but uh, I couldn't. So we're going to break it up again into two lessons. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 18. I like reading the Bible. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 18 says this. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And I'm going to spend as much time on that as I can tonight. Just because it sounds really good. Honor thy father and mother. Let's spend some time there too. Which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, uh, skip over, and ye fathers, <laughs> provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart as unto Christ. Not with our service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord, and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, 
whether he be bond or free. And ye masters, do the same things unto them, forbearing threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all taking the seal of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And also James 4 and 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Amen. We're talking about spiritual warfare, more specifically the equipment that has been issued to us as children of God. The first nine verses we, we read here had nothing to do with armor or weapons. It had everything to do with submission to authority. We've already spoken about this. We've talked about it. But the Lord just keeps working it in everywhere. Submission to authority. And once again, that's hard for us to do because, well, pride. I want to call the shots. I want to be in charge. I don't want to have to be accountable. And that can be very insidious. I mean, when I just come out and say it like that, you know, it sounds bad when I say it like that. But that's typically not how it builds up in us. It just doesn't come out and say, just disregard all authority. You're in charge now. It doesn't work like that. It's it's quite a bit slower. It's quite a bit more insidious where you'll start to question authority. You'll, you'll start to doubt that or, or mistrust that what they're saying is either it's not true or they don't have my best interest at heart. They don't understand what I'm going through. That's a favorite of mine. Uh, especially when it, my children say that. You just don't understand. <laughs> now, they don't come out and say that, but they do say that. And I know that because I used to be their age. They still don't believe me, but I was. And I used to think about my parents that way, and I was convinced. I knew it. I knew they didn't understand what I was going through. There, there was no arguing it. There, there, I didn't have to hear anything. I just, it was a presupposition. I built my worldview around that. They don't understand me. And so whenever they said something at that point in my life, I doubted it. I would run it by things that I did trust, my friends. Yeah, that was a good move. Because <clears throat> they understood what I'm going through. 
they knew it. They knew what was going on. We, we knew each other. We shared our pain, our, our misery and all of that. Yeah. Jesus wants us to submit ourselves to him. Period. I say that unabashedly. I say that without reservation and without apology. He wants us to submit to him. He wants me to submit to him unreservedly, holding nothing back. If I do, then he works with me. He fights for me. If I don't, if I don't submit myself to God, then he becomes the one I'm fighting against. Don't we have enough fighting against us? And now I have to fight against God? Are you kidding me? Satan can't fight against God. And he's more powerful than I am. Of myself. All by myself. He's a lot more powerful than I am. So if he can't fight against God, I don't stand a chance. So I want to submit myself to him. I want to give myself to God and flow with him. Do what he's doing. Go where he's going. That's where I want to be involved. Where he's operating, that's where I want to be. So we need to submit to God, first and foremost. We're looking for others to whom we can submit. Typically, we start a new job. Uh, well, the army analogy always works. Especially if you got some rank on you, a little bit of weight up here. Uh, when you go to, you transfer to a new unit, you want to know immediately where you are in the chain of command. The first thing I would want to know is, Who's under me? Or who am I over? Who do I have authority over? Now, I do need, we do need to know that because, you know, direct reports and I'm responsible for them and blah, blah, blah. But the attitude is, I don't really care so much who I'm submitting to. I just want to know who's submitting to me. Right? But in the kingdom of God, like most everything else, Jesus flips it on its head and says, we need, to, we need to look for people to submit to. Ephesians 5.21 says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. It's okay for us to submit ourselves one to another. 1 Peter 5, 5 and 6 says, likewise ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Again, if we fail to submit to God, he becomes our enemy. If we fail to submit to one another, that's pride. And God resists pride. Pride is the sin that started all of this. I have to imagine 
I know he doesn't hate any one sin over another, I don't believe anyway. But if he did, I think pride would be the top of the list. Because that's what opened this whole thing up. It was pride that got into Satan's heart, Lucifer's heart. But if we will humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, then he will exalt us in due time. If we fight for a position, if we fight for rank and fight for authority, God will break you. And it's God's mercy that will do that. But if we will humble ourselves, if we will submit ourselves to God and to each other, that's what ministry is, by the way. Service to you. Service to one another. That's what minister is. It's a slave. It's a servant. It's not someone in a position of great authority. How did the apostles always introduce themselves? as the servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is the highest honor I think anybody could ever receive, is to be a servant of Jesus Christ. It's humility, a submitted spirit before God and a reliance on Him that is key to winning our battles. That's the key. The first nine verses of our scripture text has to do with submission to authority before it even gets into the armor of God. Paul is, is helping us to understand something here. How important it is in our warfare. It starts with children. Obey your parents. Honor thy father and thy mother. When we come into the world, that is our first authority figure. That is, the, that is our first encounter with authority, is with our parents. Now I know no parent is perfect. Every parent is a human being. You get that. And I say that a little tongue-in-cheek, but I know there are situations that they just ought not to have happened. I'll say it that way. There are parents in the world today that are abusive, uh, they are neglectful, any manner of, of wrong action toward their children. But our parents are our first authority figure. And so the Lord is teaching us from the very earliest of age, submit yourself to them. They carry my authority. Your parents carry the authority of God. It's true. And then it moves on to the fathers. Provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and in the admonition of the Lord. When we get a measure of authority delegated to us by God, He's expecting us to use that in a very specific way. In the fear of God. 
If we rule, if we have authority, we do that in the fear of God, knowing that we also have a master, that we are also in subjection to authority. And if we abuse our authority, we're going to answer to his authority. We're going to answer for it. And so, when we get a measure of authority, first of all, tremble. Second of all, use it wisely. Use it in a manner that glorifies God, that propagates His kingdom, His will, not yours. Specifically with parents. God wants us to bring our children up in the nurture and in the admonition of the Lord. That is what we're supposed to do with parental authority. That's our job. That's the responsibility he's given us as children. It's not the Sunday school's job. It's our job. It's my job to raise my children to fear God. When I stand before God, (laughs) I can try to tell him that the Sunday school was bad. I can try to tell them that the, the, the parents that I sent them off with didn't, didn't do right by them. But it wasn't their responsibility. They weren't their children. They were my children. God put them under my purview. And so I'm responsible before God to make that happen or to do my very best to make that happen. I understand they grow up, they have their own free wills, and they can they do what they want. But at that point, I pray that I've done everything I can to instill in them the Word of God, to instill in them a love for Jesus Christ. It moves on. Servants. If I may use modern translation, employees. Be obedient to them that are your masters or employers. According to the flesh, with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Okay, as employees, we want to be a good witness. As employees, we don't want to go to the job murmuring, complaining about How stupid my boss is. How dumb these rules are. Now, we're going to proceed with this this part of the message under the assumption that your boss is stupid and that the rules are dumb. Okay? Doesn't matter. It absolutely doesn't matter one bit. I'm sorry, that's not what you wanted to hear. I know that. I know. But the Bible is telling us to submit ourselves to them as unto Christ. We're not working for a man. We're not working for a woman. We're working for Jesus Christ. And we represent Him even at the workplace, even on the job. And so it doesn't matter what my boss does, what my boss says. In America, I can just get a new job. If it's really that bad. 
I don't know if I'd recommend doing that lightly in every case, but, I mean, it's always an option. If it really is that bad, that's an option. But the Bible is instructing us to submit ourselves to them. I'm not submitting to a man. We're never submitting to a person. We're submitting to the authority of God on that person. We submit ourselves to God who delegates authority. Who is the source of all authority in this creation. So when I go to work, I can go to work joyfully. I tell you what, my wife will testify to this. It took me a while to, to get hold of this. It really did. For a long time. For a long time, I wasn't the best employee. <laughs> but when I got a hold of it, and I was miserable. I was absolutely miserable. Hated my job. Hated going into work. Huh? <clears throat> But when I got a hold of this verse, this idea that I'm not working for them. I'm working for God. I'm working for Jesus Christ. He's the one I represent. It was night and day difference. I looked forward to going to work. Nothing changed at work. It, it, it was getting worse. It was getting worse. And there was, I mean, <laughs> God had his hand on that place. Because they were doing everything they could to, to burn themselves down to the ground. Actively trying to run that thing into the ground. I, I don't know how it's still around. But in any case, it survived by the grace of God. But I look forward to going in. I had a great time at work. I did good work. People started to respect me. Huh. People started to ask me questions. Weird. Imagine that. Nothing had changed, except I started obeying Scripture. And the Lord blesses you for that. I submitted myself to God. Doing the will of God from the heart. It's got to come from here. In the New Covenant series we just got done with, the, the Sermon on the Mount, his whole impetus, the, the whole message was, we're shifting from Old Testament external law to a New Testament where it's written in here now. It's internalized. It's going to come from inside of you. And so when we're talking about submission to authority, it's not something that's forced on us. It's not something that I feel pressured to do. It's something I want to do. It's something I need to do because it pleases God. It's coming from in here. It comes from inside. Doing the will of God from the heart, as to the Lord and not to men. Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And ye masters, do the same things unto them. If you're an employer, if you have people under you working for you, treat them right. Because before God, we are all equal. You may have authority over them at the workplace, but standing before God, all of us are equal. There's no big I's and little U's. 
in the presence of God. And so treat them with respect. Submit yourselves to them. Minister to them. Knowing that your master also is in heaven, and there is no respect of persons with him. Again, we're going to stand before him. The authority he's delegated to us, we are responsible for. We need to use that properly. We need to execute that authority wisely, according to the will of God. Amen. Now, we get into the armor. You only get issued armor and weapons in times of war. That sounds like a pretty deep statement. I know. But it's true. Because we're in a war. And we're going to need that equipment. Why? Because of the evil day. What's the evil day that... that Paul is talking about here. Well, it's not, I really don't believe he's talking about the day of the Lord, the time that's coming, the the great tribulation, that period of time, Uh, but rather it's a time that will come upon all of us as Christians. Uh, Times of testing, times of trial, times of temptation. Circumstances that we encounter, situations that we face that are hard and they test our faith. Times of loneliness. Times of, uh, of feeling like I can't, I can't do anything right. No matter what I do, Brother DeMuth. It just, I just keep doing the same thing and it just, nothing's happening. We all encounter times like that in our lives. And as Christians, they still come. They still come. In those times, we need something a little bit more. We need something a little bit more than platitudes. It's going to be okay. Stiff upper lip. You'll make it. Probably will make it. And it will be okay. But that's not what I need to hear right now. When I got demons coming after me, when I got, when I got the enemy amassed all around me, it seems like, I need something a little bit more than platitudes and and good wishes. I appreciate the good wishes, but can you help a brother out? In those times, I can do two things. I can roll over and show my belly, or I can fight my way out. I'm reminded again of uh, Matthew chapter 7, the, the parable of the two builders. They both went through the same storm, the same winds, the same rain. The only difference was the foundation they were built on. You're not going to escape the storm. 
There's no way out of the storm. You are most certainly going to go through the storm. Jesus is issuing us protection. He's issuing us a way to fight out of it. You're not going to escape it. You are going to face it. He gives us armor to protect and defend. The assumption is we're going to be attacked. This is a battle after all. This is war. You will be hit. You're going to take some lumps. And the more you want to do for God, the more lumps you're going to take. Great message. Awesome message. You bet it is. You want to do something for Jesus Christ? You want to get into the arena? Expect to take some hits. But see, i got to get in the arena to give some hits, too. And that's what I want to do. I'll take, I'll, I'll take a few hits. I don't mind taking a few hits. But I want to be able to hit back. But the armor is to protect and defend. We are going to be attacked. The enemy does not think defensively. And as the time approaches, less and less so. He has become more and more aggressive. More and more offensive. If you want some evidence of that, open a newspaper. Look at a billboard. Turn on the radio. Listen to your friend at work. It doesn't take much to figure it out. He is everywhere doing everything he can to push his agenda as far as he can before it's too late for him. He knows his time is short. And he's operating now like never before. But God has given us a way whereby we can resist and defend against our enemy. Using the armor of God, we can render his attacks ineffective. He will attack you. He will hit you. But if you have the armor of God on, it will not harm you. The enemy cannot harm you. He can't harm you. He can roar. He can threaten. God may give him permission to touch your body or to take stuff away, but he cannot harm you. Weapons to attack and destroy. As the people of God, we need to start thinking offensively, not defensively. You cannot conquer an enemy defensively. When you fight a defensive battle, the best you can hope for is to not lose. That's the best you can hope for defensively. If you want a chance of winning, you got to go out after it. You have to attack. That's the mindset we need as Christians, as soldiers. Now, there are times to be defensive. Okay, I get that. But as a matter of course, as a mindset, 
I want to be thinking aggressively. I want to be thinking offensively. We may have to defend short term, but the long term plan is to keep pushing. To keep pushing out, to keep conquering new lands, new territory for Jesus Christ. That's the plan. That's the will of God. But we've got to be equipped to fight this battle. We haven't been given authority to simply resist the enemy. We've been given authority over the enemy. Dominion over the enemy. Our mandate is not simply to sit back and endure everything the enemy wants to do until Jesus comes. Okay? There are Christians. Their idea of serving God is to come to church on Sunday, sing beautifully, hear a great message, come to the altar, and go home. That's their idea of living for God. Now, I hope we're all at least there. I would like the whole, the whole city to be at least there. But we've got to move forward from there. That is not an effective Christian. That is a Christian who is barely getting by. They're barely getting by. <laughs> I'm reminded of a message I heard a long time ago from, uh, this just came to my mind, uh, Jeff Arnold. You guys know Jeff Arnold. T.F. Denny says he preaches without a catalytic converter. <laughs> All full of soot and black smoke. <laughs> anyway. If you haven't heard him, find him on YouTube, listen to him. You'll enjoy it. Anyway, he preached a message one time, and he was talking about, I think it's sort of the end of maybe Acts 28, where Paul is shipwrecked on the island with the barbarians. And the text says that a snake jumped out of the heat and attached itself to Paul. And it goes on to say he shook it off into the fire. And he made this point. Demons and devils dwell in the heat. You got a good worship service going on. They're all over the place. They're dwelling here waiting, waiting to attach themselves. But what we need to do is get in the fire. We need to get in the fire. They can't survive that. They don't want to be around that. Now, what does that mean? Get in the fire. That means be full of the Holy Ghost. That means do more than just come on Sunday and sing beautifully. Sing beautifully, please. Don't, don't follow my example. But do more than that. Pray at home, fast, study scripture, hear from God, obey his voice, move forward in the kingdom of God, move forward in his plan for your life. That's the heat. That's, I'm sorry, that's the fire. 
You stay as full of the Holy Ghost as you can. You live for God as hard as you can. And the enemy cannot do anything with that. But if you play around with this, this feels, this feels really good. It does feel really good. But the enemy is all over here. When you're full of the Holy Ghost, when you're on fire, when you're in the fire, exercising dominion over the enemy is easy. It comes naturally. Again, it's coming from in here. We are new creatures. We are born again. We have the Spirit of the living God living and dwelling inside of us. And if that's true, if that's true, church, then there's nothing that can't happen through us. God can do anything He wants through us. When He says He's given us dominion over all the power of the enemy, we can exercise that freely. We don't have to ask permission if it's okay to cast a devil out. It's always the will of God to take dominion over the enemy. It's always God's will. Period. If an enemy, if the enemy is coming against you, you don't have to submit to him. It was never God's plan for us to submit to the enemy. Not in the first place and not now. He purchased us from that. We were in bondage to the enemy, but he broke us free. He delivered us from that. When we choose to go back to that, when we choose to submit ourselves to the things he's delivered us from, my brethren, these things ought not so to be. He delivered us. And we need to exercise that dominion. Every single time the enemy, we encounter the enemy. If we encounter it in someone else, someone else's life, we have authority over that. We don't just sit back and, and take it on the chin and, and hope he goes away. Or just sit back and endure everything until the enemy's done what, what he wants to do and leaves. Not at all. Our mandate is to crush the enemy and to let the enemy know he will not do anything that he wants to do. He's not going to do anything that he wants to do. Not here. Not in my life. Not in your family's life. Not in this city. There's a reason the New Testament uses so many military analogies. We're in a war. Again, if I hadn't said that yet, we're in a war. We're called to fight in that war. That means we are soldiers. We're part of an army. Okay, the armor is a set. We require every piece for it to be effective. We need all of it. The Bible exhorts us in Ephesians 6 to put on the whole armor of God. All of it. Every piece. The armor works together and each has a vital, each piece has a vital role to fill. It's all important. Or to say it another way, God doesn't introduce fluff. He doesn't. 
If it's being issued by God, it's important to have it. If it's in the Bible, we need it. Gifts of the Spirit, I want them. A lot of the stuff I find in Scripture, I would never have even thought to ask God about. I would have never thought about it. A healing. I wouldn't have thought to ask Him about that. I might have thought to ask Him to give me strength to endure or maybe take the edge off the pain a little bit so I can make it through or something like that. Uh, deliverance from demons? Not a chance. I wouldn't have thought to ask that. Provision? No way. Thank you for what I have. But all of these things I find in Scripture, apart from salvation, blows me away. He suffered on a cross and died for me when I hated his guts. He brought me to him when I wanted nothing to do with him. In my mind, that's plenty. Thank you very much. That is so much more than I could have ever hoped for. I don't have to... All of these things I did against him, and he's going to just wash it all away? Are you kidding me? That's exactly what he's going to do. But then after that, he wants to heal me. And he wants to provide for me. And he wants to bless my life. Good grief. The things that he wants to do for us is, it's overwhelming. It is absolutely overwhelming. And these things that he desires to do. It's not that we're putting his feet to the fire and well, I, okay, yeah, I, I guess I said I said I was going to do that, so I'll, I'll I'll do that. Yeah, fine. It's not like that at all. He's looking for an opportunity to do these things. He's looking for a door where he can come in and bless us, minister to us. So everything that everything in Scripture that he wants to give to us. Every, every, every area that he wants to use us in, we ought to be pursuing that with everything in us. If he wants to give me a gift of the Spirit, I want to be used in that area. And like we talked about before, not because I'm pursuing gifts, not because I'm pursuing a, a, a sideshow. That's not it at all. And it can quickly become that. You can look on YouTube for that too. We're pursuing that because that's what God is desiring to do through us. He's desiring to minister to us in that capacity. He wants those outside of his covenant to understand that he still intervenes in the affairs of men. He still has authority in this purview, this, this venue, the physical world. He has authority to heal. He has the power to save, to deliver, to restore, to provide. And he wants to do that. He wants to do that through us. Amen. So we're just about done tonight. There are, there are six pieces mentioned in Ephesians, uh, five pieces of armor, one weapon. Can also be used defensively, I guess, uh, in a general sense, but the Romans really never did. 
hand to hand. The armor in Latin was called lorica. It comprises the girdle of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the preparation of the gospel, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and our weapon, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Amen. We'll be talking about those in depth next week. Those are the pieces that have been issued to us. The equipment that God gives us, if we can continue the analogy, it comes to us brand new. It comes to us perfectly. And as we encounter the enemy, and as we get some battles under our belt, that armor needs to be maintained, doesn't it? It needs to be maintained. Now, I'm not saying the spiritual armor gets spiritual dense and all of that stuff. Okay, I'm saying in our lives, the armor that we've received needs to be applied every day. And we need to check it. We need to check our lives. We need to check our hearts. Is my head still being covered? Is my heart still being covered? Are my feet still shod with the, the preparation of the gospel, etc., etc.? We need to check that. Because I know I'm harping on this, but as Christians in the United States, we have lar- we have been largely untouched by by war. We see it on the news. There are there are some of our younger men and women that have gone overseas and, and they've they've gone to the, the sandbox and, and they've they've been in combat. But by and large as a society, we've been untouched by it. And so when we start using terms like violence, we start using terms like conquer and crush and destroy, it gets a little bit perhaps abrasive. Uh, like, I wish you'd stop using those words. They sound harsh. They sound, uh, I don't know, wrong. But one thing, one thing I really desire for us to understand as a church is how desperate the enemy is to destroy you. He is desperate to get at you in any way he can. And if he had his way, he'd kill you right now on the spot. He would destroy your whole life. He would crush you. He hates you. He despises you. And so, if we understand that, if we can keep that in mind, one, we're not gonna we're not gonna treat sin the same. Sin is something that we need to abhor and run from. Any any aspect of it, any any avenue approaching ourselves to it needs to be closed off, avoided, run from. Sin is not beautiful, sin is not fun, sin is not good. Sin is destructive and it kills. It will kill you. Probably physically, 
definitely spiritually. The end of sin is death. The Bible tells us that specifically. And so we need to treat sin like it's the enemy. We need to treat the enemy like he's an enemy. He's not a frenemy. He's not someone we can grudgingly respect and kind of get along with every once in a while. Absolutely not. We want nothing to do with him except to see him crushed underfoot. And I will continue to use that kind of terminology when addressing him. He is not your friend. We're in a war. And all that that entails. And as the day approaches, when Jesus comes back, we are going to see that more and more evident in our lives. More and more evident in our society. I hope and pray it doesn't. I hope and pray this is just a phase and things are going to go back to normal. But I doubt it. And if it doesn't, then we need to be ready. We need to be rock solid in our faith. We need to be prepared for what the enemy is doing and will do in the days and months and years ahead. And we need to be ready, most of all, for what God wants to do through us against that enemy. God wants to use you to destroy the works of the enemy. He wants to use you. He has given you everything that you need. Everything. All we need to do is take it and run with it. Amen. Let's all stand.